Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. Amen. If you are a guest with us, welcome to River Valley. I'm so thankful that you are here. Let me turn your Bibles to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 is where we're going to be today. And I have one announcement that I wanted to give you myself. And that announcement is I need your help. I'm going to have a sermon focus group in a few weeks. Uh, Our vision at River Valley is based on, part of our vision is based on Revelation chapter 5 verse 9 that talks about the throne of God. And it says around this throne were people from every tribe and language and people and nation. And so we want to, and we believe that God is calling us to be intentionally multi-ethnic at River Valley. So we want to not wait till we get to heaven to see people surrounding the throne of God from every tribe, tongue, language, and people. We want to see it now. We want to see it on a Sunday morning. And so God is blessing us, and I think we're seeing some of that. And I want to uh, preach a message here in about three weeks, and I need your help to know how to preach it biblically, faithfully, but also culturally sensitively. And so I need families of color. I need those uh, individuals who are people of color and those families of color to help me understand a passage of Scripture. So I'm going to have a sermon focus group. It's going to be October 16th, and it's going to be right after the last service. We'll uh, clear out some chairs, we're going to bring in some tables, and we're going to talk about a passage of Scripture, and I need your help to understand it correctly. So the passage is uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 13, through 1 Peter chapter 3. And so I want you to read that passage in advance. So you are inviting people, uh, families of color. I would love to have you help me with this passage. And so we're not going to have childcare during this because I want, uh, we'll be about an hour and a half. And, and so if you have children and you would like them to see a world instead of the world that we sometimes live in where you've got division based on this, I want them to see people who come together, not because we're all the same, not because we're all the same, ethnicity, but because we are all under the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so I want to see people uh, who will come and help me understand that passage. So here's how you sign up. You go to myrivervalley.church slash sermon. Let us know how many are coming, and uh, we'll go through that passage, and hopefully next week, the, the week after that, uh, we'll preach that effectively. So, First Peter chapter uh, 2 is where we're going to be today. So as we continue um, in our language and looking at 1 Peter, what we see oftentimes and what I experience this time of year is I start working on my growth plan for the next year. There's something about the fall. There's something about cold weather in the morning. We are in that time where you need a jacket in the morning and a tank top in the afternoon in Texas. So that's, that's fall. And so... But I love that, and it reinvigorates me. And so I start writing, usually around this time of the year, uh, my growth plan. Now, growth plan has several elements. First, it's got vision. So you want to see your life, see those things that God is calling you to uh, in vivid detail. Then I set goals based on those visions, and then steps based on those goals. And then, hopefully, habits that I can implement or invigorate to help me to actually reach those visions. Now, 
Let's be honest. The fun, the funnest, the funnest part of the whole thing is vision. You're like, oh, let's close my eyes. Oh, look how good I look. Oh, man, look how much money we have in our account. Oh, things are great. But the most effective part of that is habits. Habits. Those things that I do continually that bring about clarity and actually help me move closest to the vision. Today, Peter is going to give us habits. He is going to give us habits that help us grow into our potential in Jesus Christ. He's going to show us things that help us to get ready for the people of God that he's writing to for persecution, but for all of us, for what God has planned for you, for how he has wired you, for the uh, visions that he has in your life. He's going to show you the habits that will help you to reach this potential. Now, we're going to break this up. We're going to do it over two weeks. But I want us to start today, and I want us to look at uh, the first half of this, two habits. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word, so that you may grow up into your salvation. If you have tasted that the Lord is good. And as you come to him, a living stone, rejected by people, but chosen and honored by God. You yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now skip over to verse 9, and I'm going to show you the vision of where he wants to take us in the coming days. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So Peter says, here's the vision. Here's, here's where God is calling us to be, a chosen nation, a holy people. But in order to get there, he's going to back up and he's going to show us these habits. Now, uh, Peter does what Paul often does, and, and you have to follow along very closely. He mixes his metaphors horribly in this passage of Scripture. He's got about five different metaphors in this. So he talks about you're like a baby who you want to grow into an adult. You're like a stone who God wants to grow into a house. All of us are like stones who God wants to grow us together into a church. You're a person who God wants to grow up into a priest. So he's got all of these mixed metaphors that just come one after another, and they're all saying the same thing. We start where we are right now. But God wants to grow us. God wants to expand us. That you haven't arrived yet. There are some things that you need to do in order to reach your potential in Jesus Christ. He's writing to the church. So in other words, it isn't that this is for beginning believers or people who are very mature. This is for the entire church. There's going to be people here who have been Christians for literally decades. And people who have been Christians for only days. And this message is for both of them. But I want to caution you. If you're here today and you're a guest with us and you try to implement chapter 2, this message, without first understanding chapter 1, you're going to fail and you're going to be frustrated in your failure. This is not a message that says, hey, go out and do better. This is not self-help. This is how to do things better so that you can see a better life. That's not what this is. It's chapter 2 starts out with the word therefore, and he's saying, hey, in chapter 1, what we did was we made sure that we were saved. We made sure that we had a relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord. Now we're going to learn how to grow in our faith. We're going to learn how to implement habits that uh, over a period of time we will see growth from our life, and we will be ready 
ready for what God has for us. So the habits of God in this place. So it's very important that you understand this sermon is for the people of God who are saved by the Son of God, who are encouraged by the other people of God, who submit to the will of God, who are empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, and who get their instructions from the Word of God. That's the people of God who he's going to show today how to grow in their faith. First habit, verse 1. Rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. This is what I call the habit of deletion. The habit of deletion. You know that there's a delete key on your text and you can just get rid of whatever you want. And the Bible says that we should get rid of sin in our life. A great verse to memorize to start in this passage is Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. This is a great passage of scripture. Hebrews 12 1, put that up there please. It says... Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses and we are surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance. Let us lay aside the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. So in this passage, the book of Hebrews says it's like a race and you got to get rid of the weight. You got to get rid of those things that are holding you back. It's exactly what Peter's saying. This is a race and you've got to get rid of those things that hold you down. So the definition of the habit of deletion is simply this. You have to give up to go up. You have to give up to go up. If you want to raise your potential, if you want to see growth in your Christian life, you cannot carry everything in your life to the next level. There are things that you have to literally give up in order for you to grow up. Favorite illustration of all time. My dad, when he retired, he was around 60, and he told me, he said, I want to go on a backpacking trip. And my dad and I went on a backpacking trip into Colorado to the most beautiful spot we had ever been. Been. We had never heard, or we had heard about it, but we had never been there. Right up at tree line, right on the Continental Divide Trail, there is a lake up there. They literally stock the lake with fresh trout. They drop them from an airplane, uh, which has got to be unusual for a fish, right? And so, and so it's, and my dad and I still to this day, when we talk about, um, Heaven, that's what we think of heaven. I love that. It is wonderful. We made it to the top of the mountain. We hiked all the way up. We spent several days. We caught fish. We read our Bibles. It was just relaxing and wonderful. On the way home, we were maybe a mile away from the car, so very, very late in the trip. And we hear something coming through the woods. I mean, it sounds like a Yeti. And I'm so glad that my dad is older because I can push him down and escape. So there's no problem there. Well, we'll uh, come to find out it is this guy. And he's only been on the trail, remember, about an hour and, or about a mile, excuse me. And he, it is, he is huffing and puffing and it's not hard to understand why. So he's got, first of all, he's got his backpack on. And this thing is loaded up. He's got this, I mean, he's got stuff hanging on the outside of this backpack. And it's just clamoring. And it's, I mean, it's packed as much as it can. But evidently, he couldn't get everything that he had in the backpack. So he has another backpack, like a, like a school backpack. And he literally has that backpack strapped to the front of his chest, literally. And it's, it's big as well. And then evidently that was not going to work. It wasn't enough. So he has a 
carry-all bag, and he has it strung over one shoulder down the side. Now, evidently, this was not enough either. So, no, I'm not exaggerating. He also had a super cool fanny pack, and he had that up front like this. All of these were loaded up. All of the, I mean, I couldn't imagine. At first, we kind of admired him because we thought he was a family man, and he was the family Sherpa. And, he, you know, he's carrying it so his kids can go run around and everything, but he was all alone. There was no one with him on either side of the trail for miles and miles. This was all his stuff. This was all his. I mean, he just had to have it all, just couldn't get it down. Now, let me ask you a question. When he camped, do you think he would have had a good campsite? Absolutely, because he carried everything from his house with him. I mean, he would have been like, I got a game of horseshoes. I got a blender. I got a, a two-story uh, tent. Would figure that out. I mean, he's got everything, right? But I wonder, do you think he made it to the top? I don't know for a fact, but I don't think he did. He was a mile in. Can you imagine this thing pulling you down like this? Can you imagine how bad his neck hurt after a while. Can you imagine seeing other people, other men, people will beat you up in all 50 states for wearing this. <laughs> and I don't think you made it to the top. I, and it's exactly, this is the picture that you need to have of your life. And this is why Jesus says, get rid. You've got to give this stuff up if you want to go up. If you want to make it to the top, you've got to hang, get rid of this baggage in your life so that you have a workable amount that you can get to the top of the mountain. That's the picture he gives us. And it's for all of us today. So let's look one at a time at these different sins and what we need to do to overcome them. This is a specific list that we should rid ourselves from. Number one is malice. Malice. Malice, the definition is intent for evil. I intend for evil to happen, or I'm happy when evil happens. I, I, I don't like you, or I don't like this group of people. That's called racism. Or I don't, uh, this, this, I think this, this, these people right here, because of what they're doing, maybe even as bad, I want something bad to happen to them. And so I celebrate when they're hurt. I celebrate when, when evil comes to them. That's what malice is in our hearts. And so we can see that in our society today. We can, in multiple places, I think one of the ways that we can see it, it doesn't matter what side of the debate you are politically on immigrants. It doesn't matter what you think of illegal immigrants politically. Biblically, we're to love people. Biblically, we're to love immigrants, even illegal immigrants. We're not talking about right and wrong here. We're talking about the people of God who Jesus loved so much that he died for. And so when we have malice in our heart and we want a group of people to suffer, then the Bible says we cannot go up to the next level. We cannot go up to where God wants us with malice in our hearts. We simply cannot do it. Number two, deceit. Deceit is misrepresenting the truth. Misrepresenting the truth. We often think of it as lying. It might include lying, but it's not really lying. 
Deceit is I'm trying to get you to believe something, maybe through a lie or a half-truth or selected things so that you will go this certain way in your beliefs. That's deceit. And what deceit does is it misrepresents the truth. Well, think about truth. The Bible says the word of God is truth. I want to take you away. When I'm deceitful, I want to take you away from the word of God. Jesus himself said, I am the truth. So deceit is I'm taking people away because I'm taking them away from the truth. I'm taking them away from God himself and that that love that he has for us. That's deceit. Number three, hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. The definition of hypocrisy is misrepresenting, or excuse me, uh, professing morals that don't align with actions. I profess something, but I don't live up to something. Now, I need you to know something. The biggest hypocrite in every single church service is the pastor. I am the biggest hypocrite in this room. Every single week, I open the Word of God and preach a perfect standard that I'm not living up to. Every single time. There's not been a sermon in the history of the sermons that I've preached, hundreds now, where I have perfectly represented what the Bible says that I am to represent. Therefore, I am a hypocrite the moment that I come and I present that to you as if I live up to that standard. That's hypocrisy. So how do we avoid hypocrisy? We avoid hypocrisy when we acknowledge our sin. The the way to get out of hypocrisy is to acknowledge your sins. The Bible says, confess your sins one to another. Doesn't mean tell everyone everything. I don't think that's wise at all. But if you have no one that you can go to, no one that you can talk to, no one that you can uh, unload on and tell about your life, then you'll portray yourself like you have nothing to work on, no sins in which to overcome. And you are a hypocrite in that moment, in that way. Number three is, or four, excuse me, is envy. I think envy is very evident in America. I think envy is alive and well in this room right now. I experienced envy this week. Last week, my wife went to the dentist. This week, I went to the dentist. My wife got the report she always gets, and I got the report I get every single time. When my wife goes to the dentist, the dentist says, oh, my favorite patient ever. You never have cavities. You have no gum disease. Your teeth are so white. Your teeth are so straight, yet you've never had braces. How we love you. You are great. You know, 10 minutes and we'll just give you your money back because you're our favorite patient ever. And she skips out like she always does. I go to the dentist this week, and they're like, oh, no. I'm like, what? They're like, you have Ebola of the mouth. Uh, you, we are going to have to do a complete mouth transplant. Stat! Right? And I was like, right now? They're like, yeah. Unfortunately, we've run out of the Novocaine to numb it, so you're going to feel everything, which you deserve because you're a horrible patient. And so I sit there, and I have to go through this, and I call my wife, and I say how you know that you are in envy. Say it with me. It's not fair. It's not fair. I work harder on my teeth than she does. Because I have gum disease, I've had several cavities. This time I went, he said, do you know you have a cracked tooth? I was like, no. Uh, He said, you know, usually you bite down on something hard. I was like, but but wouldn't I feel it? He goes, probably. I was like, I don't remember that. And he says, well, you are really, really old. So maybe that's it. (laughs) 
things. That's what I was like, maybe it's just old, you know? And, and so I got, I have to get, I have to get a crown and I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh man. And it was supposed to be like a 20 minute thing. And I call my wife and I was like, it's, it's not fair. It's just not fair. Here's the problem with envy. The first problem is, is, is that it takes you away, it distorts perspective. I didn't have Ebola of the mouth, or I didn't. I had a little cracked tooth, and I had to get a crown, and they had plenty of Novocaine, and it was fine. It, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't fun, but it literally didn't hurt at all. It went really quickly. It was fine. Secondly, it steals your joy. When I said that and I thought about that, it's not fair. I thought, now wait a second, because I, I knew I was preaching this sermon. I thought, now wait a second. I have dental insurance. I'm at the dentist. They can do it right now. I literally have the, the money for this in our account right now. And I was in and out in an hour, and it's just no big deal. And I go on with my life, and instead of going, praise God for all that he has given me, that I don't have perfect teeth, but I can get my teeth fixed, I'm sitting here, and I'm envious and jealous of my wife. That's what it does. It steals your perspective, and it steals your joy. We have to be so careful, because here's how we envy people. We don't say, I want your life. Most of the time, what we say is, I want your money. I want your kids. I want your job. I want your reputation. I want your, and we pick and choose from everyone. And what we're really saying is, I want this perfect existence. God owes me that. As opposed to saying, thank you, Jesus, for how much you have given me. Thank you, Jesus. I bless you for dental insurance. I bless you for the people of God who provide for my salary that I can afford to get a crown when I need it. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've given me. We've got to fight envy. Number five, the last one is slander. Slander. Slander is intention to damage another person. You intentionally want to damage another person. Now, normally that's through words, through speaking. You say something. I have to... I have to um, I had to learn early in life, uh, I have a pretty quick wit, uh, and, and I have to learn early in life, like I have to draw back on a lot of my comments because I can, I can come down harsh on people. And so I have to really uh, watch that. And sometimes I say something, I was like, oh man, I'm sorry, that really sounded bad. And the Bible says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is good for building others up. So slander is I'm pushing you down, and the Word of God says, no, I use my words to build you up. So we ought to be careful in the way we talk. But listen, more and more where I'm seeing slander is what we write. It's what we do on the internet. It's what we do on our social media. Listen, I live in Tahitian Village, and there are several Tahitian Village pages where slander is alive and well. I mean, it is crazy. Those of you who—I knew it happened first service, too. Those of you who are in Tahitian Village are sitting there going, yep, yep, I know exactly who you're talking about. And, and some of you, you move from Tahitian Village, but you stay on the website because you're like, let's just go check out some slander. You know, it's fun, right? And that's what happens. I mean, it's like, who is the idiot that da, 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 da? And you're like, whoa, 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 settle down. You don't know the story. Maybe they just made a mistake. Maybe there's a logical reason for this. Don't slander. Be very, very careful. If you wouldn't say it, then certainly don't write it. Now, also, slander can be what you say, what you write. Slander, uh, slander can also be the expressions of your life. 
We had a daughter that we had to train not to slander with her expressions, her face. Because sometimes her face would say, you are so stupid. All right, that's what it would say. Her words didn't say that, but her face did. And we knew that that was going to get her in a lot of trouble later in life. That you're like, hey, they can tell. They, you're saying, you got to train them. So how to, how to express that differently in slander. We live in this very critical, cynical time. Be careful that you're not always pushing people down in your words. So what do you do in, in any of these? Some of you, the, the, the Holy Spirit's already showing things to you that you really need to work on. Things that you really have in your life that, that, that you need to work on because you're carrying around baggage that's going to keep you from going to the top. All of us need to come back to a text like this from time to time because it can slip into our lives. One of these sins or multiple of these sins can slip into our lives. When you do find them, ask the Holy Spirit, hey, shine your light. Shine your light on my sin. Like, like help, ask the Holy Spirit to help you to see if you're doing any of these any of these things. And then ask him to help you to overcome those things. The Bible says, confess, uh, when we confess to God, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So the moment that he shows you did it, confess it to him. And then the Bible says, and he will put you on a path of righteousness for his name's sake. So he's going to help you to get off of those. So you just confess that over and over again. If you find that you're not able to break free of some of these, sometimes uh, some, uh, a running buddy, somebody that can do life with you for a little time and say, hey, you know, every time that we're together and you hear me say this, you know, I just want you to kick me under the table or slap me across the face or whatever it is that, that helps you to see, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to involve someone else because you really can't get there. Guys, you can't get to where God is going carrying any of these things. And many of them are socially acceptable with your group of friends, with yours, because you, you don't slander them, you slander someone else, or you don't see them, you see someone else, or whatever it is. Be very, very, very careful that you're not taking these with you to the next level. Second habit we're going to talk about today, like new, in verse 2, like newborn infants desire the pure milk of the Word. I call this the habit of nutrition. The habit of nutrition. The Word of God is like milk to a baby. So, the habit of nutrition, the definition is you have to drink up to grow up. You have to drink up to grow up. In other words, you've got to get such a, an amount of the Word of God in your life that you truly, truly begin to see growth in your life. Now, think about a baby. A baby eats, and they, man, you ever just, oh, you can just see the satisfaction on their face. Oh, it feels good. I've got a full tummy, and I've got a changed diaper, and now you lay them down and wrap them up, and they sleep so good, and they just look so content. And then they wake up, and you're like, do you want some more milk? They're like, no, no, I ate yesterday. That's fine. I'm good. Maybe two or three days. Right? It's now, it's midnight. Why would I wake you up in the middle of the night, mom, to do that? You know, just sleep through the night. You deserve it. No, it's not what they do, is it? At least that's what I've been told. I, I didn't have the apparatus to feed our daughter, so a lot of times I was like, man, you, could you please keep the kid quiet? I'm trying to get my sleep in here. And so that, that works great. You should read my marriage book sometime. <laughs> and so I asked my wife, I was like, how, how did you think a, a baby? I couldn't, I, I couldn't remember. I was like, a baby eats the first, right off the bat, like every two hours probably. I was like, 24 hours a day? I was like, man, you did a lot of work. I should have been grateful. Uh, and so, 
Think about it though. The reason God gives us this illustration is because some of us are going to get filled up with the word of God today. Fantastic. And you're going to go and you're going to eat some lunch and watch some football and fall asleep in your chair or take a nap to the glory of God. That's wonderful. That's what is part of how we do Sabbath. And that's wonderful. But listen, what about tomorrow morning? The problem is some of us are going to wake up and go, no, I'm good. I don't need to eat again till next Sunday. And you're slowly starving to death. You are. Now, I think of this, of this habit, of all the habits. No one disagrees with this habit. 100% of us say, oh yeah, we should read our Bible. No one says, oh, I don't think that's good for a Christian. I just don't think you should. No one says that. The problem is, is there's often a difference with our beliefs and our actions. And we need to close that gap because if not, we are starving to death. We are starving to death. We are not getting the nutrition like a newborn baby in order to grow up. And then he says, you go, and later he says, you go to God for spiritual food. The, the, the deeper things of God, you have to start here with your own Bible study, with your own prayer time. You go to, in verse 5, he says, you go to Jesus. You go to Jesus. You go to Jesus. You open the Bible. You read the word of God. Listen, I'm telling you, any habit that you begin to do right away is when you see the fastest growth. That any habit, when you first start it, that's when you see the fastest growth. And so you want to see some real, true, fast spiritual growth in your life. If you're not consistently reading your Bible right now, start to do it and you will see that growth. I mean, you will feel it. You will know Jesus more intimately than you ever have before. It's amazing when we start a new habit, how fast we can grow. Also, if you aren't good at reading and maybe you have a a learning disability or or you're just not good at reading, we have Bible app. The Bible app today will read the word of God to you. You can hear the Word of God instead of read the Word of God. The idea is to get the Word of God into you. We have right now media and all of these different Bible studies that you can learn from. We have all these Bible studies going on in our campus and in homes. So many ways, but you've got to learn to consistently, and by consi- I mean daily, get the Word of God in your life. So the three things that we teach at River Valley, if you're going to have a successful time with the Lord, are number one, the time. You're going to have to decide on a time. Any time is no time. You're like, I'll just put it in somewhere. That's no time. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And listen, I am not, some of you, you have um, a job and and, uh, little kids. You are very, very busy. I get this. You're going to have to work with the Holy Spirit and let him show you. I promise you there's a time. It's not going to be hours, and normally it's not squeezing something in. It's taking something out and putting the Word of God there. But you have to have a time. Number two, you have to have a place. You need to have a place where you can be alone. That's the big idea, is to be alone to read the Word of God. The Bible says you go in your private room and you close the door. I told you earlier this year, and I tried it again, and it's still not working, that there was a time that I would switch off in different times of the season, and I would read my Bible on the back porch. 
Now, nothing wrong with that except I have this beautiful back porch and I have all these trees and all these squirrels and all these deer everywhere. And I caught myself half reading the Bible and half going, oh, look, there's a squirrel. I, I did. And so here the other day, I tried it again. I was like, nope, not going to work. So I have to, I, I literally go in my closet and I've got a whiteboard right in front of me. I'm facing a wall right there. So there's no distractions. That's, that's the way I have to read it. But you've got to have a place, a place to read the word of God where you can be alone with God. And number three is a plan, is a plan. You need to know where you're going. And most, I, I, I simply read and pray through books of the Bible. It's what I've always done. I love it. I, I'm right now I'm in Luke. And I just read a passage of scripture and I think about it. And is the Holy Spirit showing me something, want me to do something, just taking notes. I write on that whiteboard to kind of keep my mind focused a little bit. And then, you know, God, is there something you want me to pray about? Something you want me to do because of this passage? And I just know where I'm going next. In fact, right now I've got my next two Bible studies off to the side. I know as soon as I'm done with Luke where I'm going next because some, uh, there's some mention and some things I was like, ooh, I want to read that. And so I've just got this list going of where I'm going next. And so a time, a place, and a plan, and you will see God open up the Word. Listen, I'm telling you, it's, it's amazing and wonderful. I can't, I can't stress it enough for you to come to Him in an ongoing basis. He says, I am a living stone. So the habit of deletion is that there are some things, there's deceit, there's malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, or slander in our life, and we need to get rid of those. We need to delete, delete those out of our lives. And number two, the habit of nutrition is the Word of God is pure milk. And when we desire it and we come to the Lord and He feeds us through the Word of God, we grow and we see our faith expanded. So I want you right where you are, I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. And if you're here as a guest with us today, and you don't have a relationship with Christ, please don't hear this sermon and let us tell you some things you need to do. You don't get saved by what you do. You get saved by what Jesus has done already. You don't get saved by, by adding activities. The debt has been paid in full on your behalf. The money can be applied to your account today in the blood of Jesus Christ to cover over all of your sins. So please don't hear this sermon and think that you've got to start acting better or doing better or adopt some religious activity. That's not true. It's just not true. Jesus offers you a free gift in salvation. The biblical word is grace. Grace. We don't buy it. We don't learn it. We don't earn it. Jesus gives it to you. Jesus is a living stone. Jesus, although he was dead on the cross, although he was buried in the tomb, on the third day he came alive, Jesus is living. Jesus proved that he is the God of the universe in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So today, if you are here and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, then call upon the living stone. Ask him to forgive your sins. Ask him to give you new life in Christ. Tell him you believe that he's living. He's not dead on a cross. He's not buried in a tomb. He came alive. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Call on Jesus today. For those of us who are believers, let the Holy Spirit go through your life right now. 
Is there any malice towards a person, towards a group of people? Is there any deceit where you are trying to get people to believe something that's not true? Is there any hypocrisy where you proclaim something immoral that's not really true about your life? Is there any envy? Is there any slander? Confess those sins to God. Ask the Holy Spirit to begin to to show you how to to overcome those on a continual basis. If it's a habit, it's going to take some time and he's going to work with you. The habit of nutrition, the word of God is like milk to a baby. The Bible says we are to desire that, we're to crave that. If you've been going weeks or even seven days in between feedings, then, then you're slowly, slowly dying and your, your growth is, is stunted. A malnourished child will never reach their potential physically, emotionally, sociologically, intellectually, because they're not nourished. Jesus has given us the Word of God to nourish us. God, help me to have a, a time, a place, a plan. Help me to take away anything that would distract And God, give me time to focus on you, especially those of you who are very busy, young families especially. I promise he's he's got a way to do it. You're just going to have to work a little bit. You're going to have to talk with your spouse. You're going to have to uh, look at your schedule. I promise you there is a way. It's not going to be a two-hour chunk. It's just not. But it's going to be a meaningful and significant, even just few minutes. God, help us to grow. We want to be an adult. We want to be a house. We want to be a church. We want to be a priesthood. We want to be a chosen nation, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to you. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.